I love her. She set me up so perfectly for this message today. I, you'd almost think that I paid her to do it, but I, I actually didn't. This morning, we're continuing our series called Credo, which means I believe. These are the fundamental beliefs of the Foursquare denomination, which is what we're a part of, and also of this church. And so I'm just, I'm going through the list, and today's topic is a little weird, to be honest. It's just a little bit different. It's a little strange. Um, and before we hop into that, I want to just um, tell you some, some facts facts that we just believe. These are sayings that we've heard probably for years, and we just take it as fact. Um, and so I'm going to ask you, is it true, yes or no, true or false? Don't swallow your gum or it'll stay in your stomach for seven years. False. <laughs> false. How about, um, how about uh, you only use 10% of your brain? False. Some of you do. <laughs> but the, human, the actual hum- humanity, we use more than 10%. How about this one? Don't go swimming after you eat or you'll drown. Stop cursing me. Like, that's false. That is false. Um, how about don't cross your eyes or they're going to stick? That's false. <laughs> how, about, how about the five-second rule? I say it's a five-minute rule. <laughs> like, it's good enough. <laughs> uh, so I was corrected after first service. So apparently, if the item is dry, then the five-second rule applies. But if it's wet... Okay, I don't even want to think about that. Uh, how about this one? Don't go outside with wet hair, you'll catch a cold. False. <laughs> how about... Turkey makes you sleep. False. Overeating makes you sleep. That is the reason y'all get so tired on Thanksgiving is because you eat too much. Okay. How about this one? Moderation in all things. False. How about murder? Do we moderately murder? I mean, I've only murdered like three people. That's really moderate. Uh, What about heroin? I've only done a little bit of heroin. Right? So is moderation in all things really a thing? (laughs) Moderation is not true in all things, but it is true in some things. And that's our topic for today, is moderation. So I know where y'all are going. You're you're going to, oh, she's going to totally get down on drinking. I mean... There, there are different ways you can be moderate. You can be moderate in your emotions. You can be moderate in your actions, like things you indulge, right? And you can be moderate in your thinking. But we're going to cover this today, so it's a little bit different. That's not something that we would normally think. So I wanted to read to you from the Foursquare website, the beliefs about moderation. This is what it says, and I quote, we believe that the moderation of the believer should be known of everyone, that his experience in daily walk should never lead him into, now get this, extremes, fanaticism, 
unseemly manifestations, that's for you guys in the front row, <laughs> backbitings, that's for you in the back row, <laughs> murmur, murmurings, and that his sober, thoughtful, balanced, mellow, forgiving, and zealous Christian experience should be one of steadfast uprightness, equilibrium, humility, self-sacrifice, and Christ-likeness. So I was trying to come up with a name for the message today, and I thought, I should call it, don't get crazy. Bonquiqui agrees with me. Don't get all crazy. Welcome to King Burger, why do we do it your way? Um, Don't get crazy. That's kind of what moderation is. And so we're going to talk about the things that it's okay to be moderate, the, the things that are admirable in moderation, but we're also going to talk about the exception to moderation. So we begin with your reputation. Now, I, I, I kind of took this directly from the, this quote from the, from the Foursquare Beliefs. So your reputation, this is how do people view you? In your neighborhood or in your workplace or where you go to restaurants or all of these things, how do people view you? What's your reputation? Are you the one when you walk in, they're like, oh, no. (laughs) Or are you the one they're like, oh, that's the one who tips really big. Or, Or when you walk into the Home Depot, let's say, for example, are you the one that's demanding and impatient? Or are you the one that's like, hey, excuse me, could you please talk to me? I've been here for 10 hours. I mean, which one are you? Are you is your reputation that of being chill and cool and nice and loving and accepting? Or is it of being rude and irritable and judgmental and how about your how about your social media reputation? Are, how many how many friends have you lost because of your social media? Yeah, ouch is right. Right? How many friends have you unfriended because you were intolerant? Okay. <laughs> Just keep that to yourself. <laughs> Philippians 4, verse 5, let your graciousness, this is also translated moderation, let your moderation or let your gentleness, let your appropriateness, let your patience be known to everyone. Be known to everyone. The Lord is near. This is talking about how do you come across? Like imagine if I was holding up a mirror right now, how would you come across And it's important, and I would recommend everybody have someone in their life that they can go and say, hey, tell me what my blind spots are. Tell me what I'm missing. Tell me what everybody else sees, but I don't see. Tell me when I have a booger in my nose. Do you have a friend that'll do that for you? Only two people? Wow, y'all are a bunch of liars. (laughs) Nobody? You have a friend who say, like I had somebody, my tag was sticking out today. It probably still is. No, my tag was sticking out. They're like, here, let me, let me fix this for you. Don't you want friends that'll tell you the truth? Not just about broccoli in your teeth, but, but about like, hey, so I know you, that you don't mean to come across this way, but right? don't we all need that? 
And if you don't have somebody like that in your life, invite someone into your life to do that for you. To say, hey, what am I missing? Like, how do, how do I seem to other people? Okay, did I make that point clear? Okay, so that's your reputation. Okay, the next thing is fanaticism. We're talking about fanatics here. And I'm going to specifically hit on religious fanatics, spiritual fanatics. Anybody ever known a spiritual fanatic? Yeah, I bet we have a lot of stories in this room that we could tell. <laughs> the spiritual fanatic is, is one who turns things that are personal to them and their own opinions into like a religious dogma as if it were something that the Bible has to say. You know, there's so many churches that are like this. Typically, those are the churches that are like pretty legalistic, which means that they, they really are, they believe in following rules. And, and how many know Jesus is not about the rules? Jesus is not about rules. Jesus is about what? Yeah, he's about love, and he's about relationship, and he's about accepting people, not sitting there condemning them. But there are religious fanatics, and this is what Ephesians 4, verse 14 and 15 say. It says, we will no longer be like little children. You know you can tell little children anything, and they'll believe you, right? This is saying we're not going to be like little children in this way. It says, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. You know, I've been a Christian for a really long time, and I have seen some weird, weird teachings come down the pike. I mean, there was one back, I, th- I don't know, it was actually before I became a Christian, but it was called the shepherding movement. And that was all about control. It was all about you know, you need to ask your shepherd if you can buy a house, or you need to ask your shepherd. That is totally not the spirit of the Lord. It's important to have people in your lives that can be, be your spiritual mentors and coaches, but as far as control, that's weird. That's just weird. It was like, do you guys remember pagers? Pagers? This is back in the era of pagers. And so apparently you would have to page your spiritual mentor and ask them if you could date so-and-so or if you could, I mean, it was just, it was strange. And then how many of you remember um, the, the, I'm not going to name the place, but um, like when people got really, really crazy. Okay, so here's what happens. This is what happens. Jesus does something amazing or something unprecedented, and then we take it and turn it into a religion. Or we turn it into a formula. And this was one of those things where people were like barking and um, clucking and urinating on themselves and all kinds of weird things in the name of being drunk in the spirit. Is that the Lord? Like if an unbeliever, somebody who doesn't know anything about Jesus would come in and see that kind of stuff, do you think that that person would be like, I want to be part of this? And I mean, like, I mean, there's all kinds of weird stuff. And so this is basically speaking against that kind of thing. Every wind of teaching. Let me just say one thing. If it seems like a new teaching, it's probably a false teaching. 
Because there are several things that you can do as a litmus test to see if something is truly biblical. And one of the things is, has this ever been something that's happened throughout the the history of the body of Christ? And not that Jesus couldn't do something different, but if it seems weird, it probably is. So run away. Another thing that I want to caution you against is um, there are some ministries that are founded, and now I know it's going to seem hypocritical that I'm even saying this, so they're founded on criticizing everybody else. You know, if you're listening to, to pastors who they're the only ones who've got it right, and everyone else is just kind of beneath them, or everyone else is in error, and they're the only ones, beware. Beware. Because imagine this. You're sitting around the campfire with Jesus, and he's going, well, you're perpetually late. You smoke. You swear. You gossip. I mean, could you imagine Jesus doing that? Anybody? If that's a Jesus you're serving, you need to get to know him. Because <laughs> that is not the spirit of Jesus. Jesus hung out with people that were notorious because they were sinners. Those are the people Jesus hung out with. So why is it that ministries somehow think that their, their sole purpose for existence is to condemn everybody else? The Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which means that if you have been forgiven, if you have accepted the sacrifice Jesus offered on the cross, there's no condemnation. I mean, there's conviction when the Holy Spirit starts to say, hey, you really don't want to do that. You don't want to talk that way. You don't want to act that way. But that's, that has hope attached to it. Con- condemnation is just, just makes you feel horrible, makes you feel less than. So did I make this point here? If you are listening to teaching that is just critical and it's all rooted in, in just the fact that, that everyone else is wrong and they're right, that is a big red flag. Amen? Okay, so it says, it says, don't be tossed by the waves and blown by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of what? Deceit. This opens you up for deception, which is why it's so important to know what the Bible has to say about things, to actually crack the guy open and, and read it. And know what it says so that when you hear something that's kind of like, wait, that's not true, you'll be able to know that's not true. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who's the head, Christ. My next point is hashtag goals. (laughs) Okay? Hashtag goals. This is our goal. We want our reputation to be that we are loving, we are kind, and let's just read about it in 1 Corinthians 13. Hashtag goals. Now, I want you to raise your hand um, for every one of these. No, I'm just kidding. Not really. Don't really. Love is patient. Anybody? I mean, the majority of us are out of here. There may be a couple. I mean, probably 2% of the population is, is patient. I mean, realistically. Am I right? Yeah, patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. I mean, we can act kind until you tick us off, right? Okay. 
Love does not envy. Anybody envious? It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. Waiter, waiter, this, my food is cold. That's not loving. It's not self-seeking. That one's hard, right? It's not irritable. Anybody ever get irritable? Ladies, certain time of the month? I mean, anybody? Don't raise your hand, please. (laughs) Right? I mean, irritability is like, that's a sign there's something else going on. Okay? That's, that's something to, to note. Um, it says it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. I mean, I've known people in my life who could literally list every sin that's ever been committed against them in their whole life. And all that does is it rots your bones. It eats your insides. It causes all kinds of health problems. Forgiveness. Even, even um, people that don't believe in God have done studies that say that forgiveness is healthy, that it's healthy for you. So we'll get into that in a minute. And it says here, it says, it, um, it finds no joy in unrighteousness, but it rejoices in the truth. And what unrighteous means, it, unrighteousness is, is anything that is not right. You know, there's right and there's wrong. I mean, I know a lot of people think there's a lot of gray, but morally speaking, a lot of times there's right and there's wrong. And so it says, it doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. This is what relationship should look like. Hopes all things. That's, that's expecting the best in someone else. You know, that's, that's not assuming the worst. How many of you, are, you assume the worst in people? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but how many of us always assume, okay, there's, there might be something else going on in this person's life. I'm going to extend grace to them. Yeah? Anybody? You don't know what people are going through. I remember when I was deep in grief, I'm sure that I ticked off a lot of people just because I was just stumbling around. I was just, I mean, it's, you don't know. So always hope for the best for people and especially in your family. Um, It says it endures all things. This means we persevere with people, even if they annoy us. And, And no, I'm not talking about like if they're abusing you or, you know, if, you know, there's some reason if they're causing you to stumble or making you sin and do things you don't want to do. I'm not saying that. But just for people, I mean, just walk with people through their hard times. I was in Billings this week for, um, it was supposed to be our Foursquare convention. And our president said that when he wakes up every morning, he said, rather than like opening up his laptop to see who hates him for the day, he's like, who hates me today? He said that he wakes up And the first word out of his mouth is Jesus. Just sets his mind. He sets his focus. And then he said, the second thing he says is, Lord, let me be a blessing to my wife today. And you know, it's it's hard for us to do that because we're thinking about 
wanting to get our needs met. We're thinking about what we want. And so that's why it leads to the next section, which I'm calling dressing up. Colossians 3.12. On um, Friday morning, I walked in. I, I was gone all week, as I mentioned. And I walked into my office, and there was this invitation. And it said, you are formally invited to a gala honoring Governor Herbert. And it was like this really fancy gala. And I'm like, I am all about the gala. I haven't been to a gala in a long time. So it said at the very bottom, it said, black tie or best dress. Well, for those of you who don't know what black tie means, that means like you, you get out your fanciest, your fanciest outfit, your, your best outfit. And I used to play piano professionally in the Bay Area, and I would get to dress up all the time and go play at all these really fancy, fancy parties. So it was really fun. So I got to, I got to dress up, and I was very sparkly, and it was really fun. And I went to this thing, and I was just like, ah, oh, I love dressing up. And that's what this reminds me of, this next passage that we're going to read. It's like, put on your best before you go outside. I mean, I, you know, it's like, if you're going to go to Walmart, it's fine to wear your pajamas. It's fine. It, I mean, everybody's doing it. It's okay. But if you're going to work, and I'm not, and I'm not, let me just say, I'm not talking about clothing. I'm talking about this. It says, therefore, as God's chosen ones, you're God's chosen. Woo. Goosebumps. You are holy and you are dearly loved. It says, put on, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, where am I, and patience. Put on your best. Before you hit that front door, before you get in your car, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Open yourself up and say, Lord, speak to me today. Speak through me today. And it says, and put on these things. Put on your best. Put on your sparkle. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, you need to sparkle a little more. All the men are like, I am not saying that. (laughs) Okay, it says here, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Did you hear that? Forgiving if anyone has a grievance against another. This means mild irritation. This means annoyance. This means you can't get the thing out of your mind. You're so ticked off. Listen to this. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. In all honesty, how do you forgive? Do you forgive just as the Lord forgave you? 100%? You, you completely, fully, it's done. Done deal. How many of you have a clean slate? You have nothing against anyone. That's a rare thing, and that is a beautiful thing. And God has given us the ability to do it, but he's saying in the same way, that you were forgiven, you're supposed to forgive other people. And now I want to say this. I want to make this point clear. It can be a process at times. You may have trauma or you may have been violated 
or sinned against in ways that are inexplicable. But you're still able to forgive with the, with the Spirit of the Lord. It's a supernatural thing. Forgiveness is a supernatural thing. But you have to make the decision to do it. You have to say, I choose to forgive. I will. I am going to forgive this person despite what they did to you, not for their sake, but for yours. I heard the analogy, you you take that person off your hook and you put it on God's and you let God deal with them, be it ever so severely. (laughs) For those who like the Old Testament, (laughs) I always like that one. Lord, deal with them, be it ever so severely. (laughs) But we are called to forgive, like it or not. It's not logical, I'll just say that, because to us, Forgiving means you give up the right to demand something from that person. And sometimes it even means an apology. You have to give up the right to expect that that person will even apologize to you. you. That you stand clean before you and God. This is not easy to do, but it is a supernatural thing. I better move on. It says, above all, talking about dressing up, put on love. Please let your reputation be of a person who is loving. Please let that be your reputation. That when you walk into your local restaurant or your grocery store or work or the family reunion, that people are like, ah, I want to be with so-and-so. They're so loving. They're so accepting. And I'm not talking fake. It says... In Philippians 2, 3, this is talking about humility, something that we put on. This is rough. This is really rough. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or, as the NIV says, vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? Do you consider others better than yourself? Do you give them the bigger portion of pie or do you eat a couple of bites first so that you don't have to share? Or, or do, do you serve people without expecting them to thank you? Do you do, do, you do things in secret just between you and the, and the Father in heaven? Because that's what Jesus says. He goes, do these acts of righteousness secretly. I mean, there's nothing like an inside joke with Jesus. For real. It's so awesome. Really, this is what we're called to. Do you consider others better than yourself, or are you looking out for number one? It says, everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but rather for the interests of others. How many feel right now, based on something that's been read today or something that I've said, how many of you feel like you're kind of failing a little bit? Okay. This is why. This is the reason. Moderation in a lot of things, 
but not in your fanaticism for Christ, not in your passion for Christ. One of my biggest fears as a spiritual leader is that I will I will just be a talking head up here and I'll just be talking to people who have never been transformed by the spirit of the living God. That is terrifying to me. We cannot love or forgive or serve or do any of these things if we have not been transformed. And I'm telling you, Lindsay's video, it's like, you can see the difference in her. She said it herself. She goes, I'm completely different. That's transformation. Just because you go to church, if you just go to church and check it off a to-do list, you're missing the entire point. The entire point is to be completely, radically, dramatically changed by the God of love. And you can't. We're all failures. (laughs) Aren't you glad you came to church to be called a failure? We are all failures on our own. We can only fake it so long. We can only act loving for so long. I mean, isn't it easy to act loving with strangers? You're like, I'm so nice. And then you get home and you're like, you guys are driving me crazy. Okay? We can't do this without transformation. When you see somebody who's been absolutely transformed by the Spirit of God, you should be able to recognize it. I heard this guy talk about this this week at our convention in Billings. And he said, we are so busy with education that we forget about transformation. The last thing I want to do is fill your heads with knowledge and have you walk out of those doors completely the same. And this is, it's a spiritual act. It is a spiritual thing. It's not something you can just do on your own. You cannot be nice enough. You cannot be loving enough. You cannot be forgiving enough in your own strength. Trust me, I have tried. I've tried to do this on my own. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you allow the Holy Spirit to come in. And it says, and this is your spiritual act of worship. This is how we worship. This is why we worship. You know, worship and service are interchangeable. This is how we serve the Lord is we say, God, I am helpless and hopeless without you. I cannot change myself. I need you. God, I need you. Fill me. Transform me. What transformation means is that you're one form. You're in this form. You are earthly, selfish, worldly, fleshly, you know, looking out for number one. And you're taken from this form and it's transformed to the image of Jesus. So that you represent Christ when you walk into the grocery store or into work. You are, the Bible calls us ambassadors of Christ. We are supposed to be dressed up with him so that we can see people who are hopeless. I talked to this couple last night and they, they've been missionaries for years and years. And it was like, you look at them and you can see that they have been transformed by the spirit of God. I mean, when they looked at you, they looked with love. Like you could just sense that they had been transformed. And this one woman was telling me she works in a very 
dark, dark place, very demonic and, you know, just, and she said, but I walk in there and I change the atmosphere. She goes, when I walk in there, I bring Jesus to those people. Can we be those people adventure? Can we be those people that can do things only because the spirit of God has transformed us? I really mean it. When I say this, I'm being completely sincere with you. My fear is that you guys will walk around thinking you're okay. And you have never been transformed. Would you stand? Deuteronomy 6.4. Listen, fill in your name. Listen. Israel, the Lord your God, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. These words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Can we be a people who love God with everything that we are? Can we empty ourselves of ourselves so that we can be filled with the eternal love of God? You know it's possible. Why resist? Do you want to be an ambassador for Christ? Do you want to be a light in a dark world? Do you want to be all these things we talked about? Moderate in everything except your passion for Jesus. That is the point. So can you, I'm not trying to get fanatic and weird, and I'm not going to swing from the chandeliers or anything, but I would like you to lift up your hands as a sign of surrender, a sign of receiving what God has. Lord, we come before you, God. We humble ourselves before your mighty hand that you might lift us up, Lord God. We surrender to you. Lord, we empty ourselves of ourselves. Lord, we are sick of being selfish. We are sick of not not being transformed, Lord. Transform us by the renewing of our minds, Lord. We offer ourselves to you. Lord, we offer ourselves. Fill us. Fill us to overflowing, Lord. Fill us to overflowing with your spirit. Oh, God, I just pray for the Adventure family, the Adventure Church, Lord. God, let us be known as a place that is filled with your spirit and filled with your love. God, do whatever you need to do, Lord. I just pray that you would just, you would be released, God. Not that you need our permission, but God, that you would change us. Change us, Spirit of God. Change us, Lord, as we offer ourselves to you. And we just thank you, God, that you are the God who transforms us by your Spirit. We love you in Jesus' name. If you're a person and this is all craziness to you, I just I want to I just want to say if you're not sure that you have been transformed, like you don't know 100% that God has transformed you, I just want to invite you to just come up front and just kneel up front and we will pray with you, we'll pray over you, we'll pray for you. But don't walk out today the same as you walked in. Okay, don't, because God has so much more. God has so much more for you. And he wants to blow your mind with his goodness and his faithfulness. But it all starts with surrender. You can't be transformed if you're, you're holding on to whatever it is you're holding on to. And let me tell you, whatever you're holding on to, not worth it. Okay? So, and if you have never come to Jesus, you have never 
receive the forgiveness he offers, I would love to be able to pray with you. Please come forward. And, you know, for those of you who want to say hi and everything, just make sure you let, if there are people that want to come to Jesus today, that's, that's the goal for right now. Okay. I sure love you guys. Um, next week, uh, I'm actually going to be going back for my dad's funeral, um, which is the day before Father's Day. So if you run out of things to pray for, please pray for me and my family. It's going to be a rough, probably a rough time. But I will see you the week after that, and I love you all so much. Have a great week. God bless you. (laughs) 